May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in the faith, on Wednesday night we gathered here as a family of believers to give thanks and praise to God for all of his many and varied and awesome gifts to us at our Thanksgiving Eve service, and it was good. On Thursday, I'm guessing that most of you got together with someone you love, maybe had some food, and, and, and maybe even took at least a moment to give thanks to God, right? Thanksgiving, that, that's why they call it that. Maybe you even did the thing, you go around the room and everybody has to say something that they are thankful for, and, and, and by the end of it, especially if you're in a big group, you're just kind of standing there with your jaw dropped, wow, as, as, as you're overwhelmed again at just how good and giving our God is. He has given to us more stuff and comforts and conveniences than any other people of any other time. Think about how much we have. In our country, there are people who would be considered poor, who would call themselves poor, who eat too much. That, that, just, that just wouldn't make sense anywhere else. There are people who spend a lot of money on drugs and alcohol and, 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 and smoking, things that aren't necessary, and yet would consider themselves poor. You try to explain that to anyone of any other time or any other place, that, that there are overweight, poor people, no, that doesn't make sense. And yet, it is to us. That's how blessed we are. That's how much we have. And most of us, you couldn't even pretend to try to call poor. Right? God has given us so much. And especially on a day like Thanksgiving, we just say, wow. But we also probably have to realize that there are days when we aren't focusing quite so much on the Thanksgiving when we're thinking about the stuff we don't have. We have to admit that there are times when we don't really appreciate it, what it means that the Lord has come near to us and is, is with us day in and day out, protecting and providing for us. We don't always truly appreciate what it means that the Lord comes near. So that's what this season of Advent is for. Here at the beginning of the church year, as we are getting ready for the first big festival of the church year, as we're preparing our hearts to celebrate that huge occurrence when God himself became man and humbled himself to be born of a virgin so that he could live for us and die for us and, and, and win our salvation. As we're preparing to celebrate that, that thing that separates all of human history between the stuff that happened before it, B.C., and the stuff that happens after it, A.D., as we're getting our hearts ready for that, we take four Sundays here and think about what it means that the Lord comes near. That's the season of Advent. And we're thinking about his coming near in Bethlehem, right, as that baby. But, but also that he did that because he's coming again, right? 
That's why the, the blue of the season is not just for, you know, Mary's traditional color, but, but also it turns our eyes to the skies from where our Savior will be coming to take us to be with him forever. Plus, you add to that the fact that every time we gather together here in worship, God comes near in his word and sacraments, right? The Lord comes near. And so on this Sunday, the first Sunday of the church year, for millennia, Christians have been using one particular story to read from the Gospels. Even though it's pretty much the opposite end of the church year from when we talk about what happens during Holy Week, this Sunday we talk about Palm Sunday, right? Jesus riding into Jerusalem to, to begin Holy Week because it ties all of this coming near together because it shows us why the Lord comes near. And, and as we think about this, this Palm Sunday entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, we see the, the Lord comes near. We, we celebrate the truth that when the Lord comes near, he humbles himself. And probably partially because of that humbling, when the Lord comes near, he receives varying reactions. Right? God himself in the flesh, interacting with humans, produces very different responses. Walk through our account in the gospel lesson and let's look at some of these reactions. Right? So, the, so the first people that, that we have a reaction from would be those disciples that he sends, right? <clears throat> Jesus sends them on what might seem kind of like a fool's errand. Hey, go and, and go to that village and there's a donkey there with, with its colt, the foal, and, and, and just, you'll see it, just tie it and, and bring it here. And, and if anyone says, asks you anything about it, just say, oh, oh you know, the Lord needs it uh, and, and it'll all be good. Really, Jesus, that's your plan? But their reaction? Okay. They do it. Why? Well, they had come to know this Lord who had come near, and they had realized that when Jesus tells you to do something, you know what? It, it's good. So they respond with obedience. Next group, the, uh, the donkey owners. We get a reaction from them, right? They're minding their own business, and all of a sudden these guys come and start taking their donkeys, um, and, and, and they, they confront them on it, and, and the response they get is, well, the Lord of it has need, even though they thought they were the ones who owned the donkeys. Their reaction? Okay. Why? Well, the Bible doesn't specifically tell us why, but you got a couple options, right? Either, either A, they knew that Jesus was the Lord of heaven and earth, and so the Lord of their donkey, even, even if it technically belonged to them, or Jesus was using his divine power to assure their, their cooperation. Either way, it says something about Jesus, right? <coughs> so they say, go ahead, take it. And so Jesus gets on the donkey, you know, they put the cloaks and the palm branches and all the things of the, of the story, right? And, and Jesus rides the, this donkey in the colt, the foal of a, of a donkey, and, and, and not, not a war horse, not a stallion, but he's, he's riding this, this humble donkey, this, this service animal, this, this animal of peace, but one that had never been ridden before. 
set aside, set apart for a, a sacred purpose, even if the donkey owners never knew it. So anyways, then we see more responses, right, as he's riding on the donkey. You've got the crowds, right, the, the crowds that coming with him, the believers that were following him to Jerusalem, and the crowds coming out from Jerusalem when, when they see this commotion and all the excitement, and, and, and you see their response, right? They tell you exactly what their response is. You don't, you don't have to guess it. It's right there for you in, in verse 38, right? They, they, they know who Jesus is. They've seen all of these miracles, and so they cry this out. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So he is the king, right? He's coming from God, and he is the, the coming one. That, that phrase, the, the way it is in the original, would have, would have caught their ears. That was the, the, the term, one of the terms they used for the Messiah, right? The one that God had promised to be coming from the time of the first sin to be coming to, to, to take care of our sins, to destroy Satan's power and, and, and to redeem us. So listen to what they're calling him. The one all those Old Testament believers look forward to. But, of course, the crowd was divided, right? You had those who were shouting that, but then there were also, you, you see in the text, the, the Pharisees, right? And, and, and they had a very different reaction. They understood exactly what the crowds were saying and what that meant. And their response? Oh, you can't say that? They were willing to call Jesus a teacher, but they were not ready to call him the Christ, the Messiah. They could take him as, you know, a smart guy, but, but not as true God. But as you notice, Jesus, Jesus responds to them. He demonstrates in his response that that's exactly who he is, true God. He shows in his response the inevitability of the response that the crowds were giving to him. Look at what he says. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. God cannot help but be praised. All praise belongs to God. All glory belongs to God. And if we don't give it to him, it will come from somewhere. If, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. When the Lord comes near, awe is natural. Praise is inevitable. Why? Because he's God. And even more reason for praise. Because he loves us. And that's why when the Lord comes near, he humbles himself. Because he came for a reason. That's why you see all the details that the prophets prophesied coming true, right? The cloaks spread and the palm branches and the gates of Jerusalem opening up to welcome their king and the crowd shouting out these very words that were prophesied that would be shouted out about the Messiah, right? All, all of these little bitty details are, are coming true He's riding on, on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey, like the prophet prophesied. Not the war horse, not the stallion, but a donkey. In order to be our substitute. He rides in on a donkey that has never been ridden for, right? Something, something reserved for its first sacred special use. Kind of like the womb he used for a while on the way in and the tomb he used for a while on the way out. He humbled himself 
to fulfill the promises, to be our Savior, our substitute, to pay the wages of our sin. He humbled himself and came near in order to accomplish our salvation. I mean, that, that's why he was born here in the first place. As you, as Vicar was, was reading that, did you catch something? Did you catch the connection between Christmas and Palm Sunday? Remember what the angels shouted out on that first Christmas? Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. You notice what the crowds are shouting out on Palm Sunday. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Jesus coming brought peace in heaven. We are at peace with God. Even though all too often our reaction to to God's gifts to us is not thanksgiving but complaining. Even though all too often our, our response to Jesus coming is not worship but indifference. Even though all too often we, we don't live like we understand what it means that the Lord comes near. Still he comes near to save. Because when the Lord comes near he humbles himself. Paul wrote this in Romans, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He humbled himself that day to enter Jerusalem to do what he came to do, to make his way to the cross, the grave. He humbled himself to take the shame we deserve for all of our failed reactions to him. Also that one day we may sleep in heavenly peace. So what's your reaction? The Lord comes near. How will you respond? Well, let's think back through the the cast of characters. Will you be like those disciples? Trusting? Obedient? Lord, you want me to to do what you say to do? Like like forgive even when someone really hurt me? uh, And do the things that you tell me to do even though the world makes very different choices? That's what you want, Lord? Okay. Will you be like those donkey owners? Willing to give what is yours for the service of our coming king? Lord, you want me to to give my time and my, my efforts and, and even my, my money to, to spread your praise here, e- even when it kind of feels like I need it for some of the things I want. Okay. Will you be the crowds? Joining here to, to shout out his praise, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory to God in the highest, absolutely. Even if it means prioritizing time here in God's house over something else that might seem important or fun. Yes. The Lord comes near. We can't help but respond with praise. Realize how awesome it is that the Lord comes near. And when the Lord comes near, he humbles himself because he comes near to save. In the next few weeks, we'll see other realities about what happens when the Lord comes near, but never forget its purpose. May God bless our Advent preparations for Christ's coming. In him, amen.
Now, may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's rise and